Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show On the Mark. I am Mark. Now, you had all morning long to adjust I, I was talking to our guests, so forgive me. <laughs> Did you even get them set up? Did you tell them about No, the I'm headphones? sorry. It's always so fascinating to talk to Matt that I just lost track of everything I was supposed to do. Oh so blame goodness. it on him. You had one <laughs> job. And I failed. All right. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show, everybody. I am Mark Lawrence. I am prepared. I've been prepared all morning. So. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I even filled in for Rub earlier today on the... Uh, sunrise show so i am 100 percent ready and we have it takes like six people to fill in for rob and on the other side of the glass today is mark stevens i think uh, this may be his only gig to this week i'm not sure but uh, he certainly is in today and is running things superlatively so we appreciate that he'll be taking the calls and uh, getting us ready for our calls now we're not going to ha- be able to have time for any callers right off the bat here i guess uh, stan called in before I announced that. So let me uh, let's talk to Stan very briefly here. Uh, Stan, we're going to give you ask you to do the bottom <laughs> line, but we do have a guest standing by. So okay, but uh, we, I don't want to ignore your call either. Well, actually, I want to, but <laughs> that's rude. <laughs> that's rude. <laughs> Go ahead, buddy. What's cooking today? All right, over the weekend or sometime last week, Fauci was asked by a reporter. If all these uh, illegals coming across, well, they call them immigrants, but they're illegals coming across that are COVID positive and that, whether or not they're affecting the, the people in this country catching COVID, and he said absolutely not. <laughs> all right. So he's a, he's a fraud, and he's putting it out there on a daily basis. And the other one is the fake news, the NBC over the weekend, uh, the Infinity X races for the NASCAR were there, and they were talking to the winner. I think his name was Brandon. And, and, and the folks in the stand were... Uh, Given uh, Joe Biden, uh, you know the F word as usual, like every other sporting events, uh, and and NBC tried to play it off as uh, they were cheering for the driver. Go, let's go, Brandon! But it wasn't exactly that, and you could hear it in the background. It was quite amazing how fake they were trying to pass it off with lies. And, if, and so that was broadcast on the NBC network, huh? Yes, it was. Isn't that funny? Because NASCAR is pretty conservative. I think NASCAR is pretty much a Trump-supporting organization. Would you not say? Right, and they weren't saying go Brandon, and they weren't saying go, <laughs> go Biden. Go Brandon. <laughs> they were saying, yeah, they were giving uh, the old F word to Biden. Isn't that something? I I, I can't wait till we, our civility level returns to normal. That's that seems extreme to me. But all right, we got you, Stan. Thank yeah, you so much. Call, call back, back afterwards yep, and we'll, during the we'll nine. All right, have a good can. one. Thanks. Appreciate that. Stan's one of our great uh, regular callers. That we uh, uh, he keeps us up to date. If he detects, he has a fraud detector for the Biden administration, and it's pretty much in a 
constant state of alarm, so we appreciate that. All right, on the mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Toll-free line open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. We'll take calls after we get past our, our guest here for about 15 minutes or so. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com, and you can text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. While our guest is here, we'll uh, close up the phones for about 10 or 15 minutes, and then we'll open them up during the latter part of his visit. Now on to that uh, visitor. Uh, he is uh, Matt Rosu, Dean of the Sigmund Wise School of Business, Professor of Economics. He's a great parent around here. I just found out he's a great Methodist, too. <laughs> what, 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 what is a great Methodist? Yeah, th- when, you, when you figure it out, please let okay. me know. So. <laughs> they don't like meatloaf. Well, yeah, if you guys eat as well as we do in the Lutheran Church, good for you. So, but Us Catholics, it's all lasagna. We originally met, I know, I'm aware, I've, I've had your lasagna. Uh, we originally met Matt when we talked about the uh, his his personal poker playing around the country, and uh, he qualifies. Would you say you're a semi-professional poker Yeah, back then, not as much time to play anymore, unfortunately. Well, yeah, being dean, that's like uh, department head only twice over, right? That's, that's a fair description. Okay, yeah, I know everybody <laughs> dreads being appointed temporarily department head over there, so, well, everywhere, I guess it's a college thing. And then uh, to be dean, uh, uh, <laughs> you, you do still get to teach, though, correct? Uh, I teach on occasion. I have a class coming up, uh, kind of an exciting class in the spring, actually, coming up. But um, not as often. But it, it is a it is there's trade-offs, right? I, I do love teaching. I do love research and have to give those up a little bit. But it is fun. Uh, in this role as well. Well, and we followed. Uh, we've talked to you about politics around here. You're one of the f- few conservative uh, professors in this immediate region, though there are others around here. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably maybe a, what, maybe ten percent of college professors you could label as conservative. If you're so true. Based on what I've seen, that seems about right. Okay, yeah. all right. So there's a couple of you out there. Well, what's what's your view on the? I'm going to call it the Biden abyss. I mean, he's definitely got uh, the perfect storm of uh, low poll ratings. The Afghanistan debacle, inflation, and gas prices, and... And the assertion that his trillions of dollars in plants are not going to cost us a cent. Well, right. Try, trying to get buyback better through your your observation about that. I, I, I think you described it pretty well. Um, what's his goal right now? What, what's his vision for the country? I mean, that, I, I think that's a pretty serious now question. Joe's going to have a really right. smart answer. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I thought there was an excellent comment this morning. I forget who it was from, some congressman. He said, if President Biden can't stand up to the Taliban, how is he going to stand up to AOC? And it's pretty obvious that the uh, progressive wing of the Democratic Party is certainly driving the agenda right now. But is that good for the Democratic Party? I mean, these financial disasters they're proposing can't possibly lead to anything other than massive inflation, can they? Or am I wrong? So, the, I mean, inflation, there's debates among economists what's causing it right now. Like, is it is it part of it the spending? I seem to think part of it would be the, the fact of the money that, you know, all of the money in the early spending bills that were handed out, um, both for unemployment insurance and actually just the stimulus checks, right? The unemployment rate was barely over 6% in when the February-March bill was passed for extra thousands of dollars. It wasn't really like the economy needed an extra boost. And then you have a number of people getting 
thousands of extra dollars and going out and buying things, and that that pushes prices up. Uh, but there's a couple other things that it could be, which would make it a little bit more temporary, right? How much of it is still the supply chain that's recovering? We do know there's supply chain issues. That's going to cut the supply down, and that would raise prices. I'm curious of how much the energy issues are going to catch up with us, too, both from the, you know, um, some of this would be you could put on to Biden, perhaps, right, the pipeline issues. Some of it probably would be unfair to put on to him. But if energy prices go up, you'd also expect inflation and that. And I just got actually got back from a trip to visit with our students and meet with partners over in uh, England. And actually, they're dealing with huge issues with petrol over there. And a lot of it's actually the trucks getting to the stations. They didn't have enough people to do that. And all of a sudden, then a number of them are out. Uh, a number of the stations over there were out of uh, of gasoline. So it's kind but of now when you when I say you're conservative, that happens to be more about background and less the uh, your your verbal presentations and someone you you've never come on here and say, oh my gosh, President Trump was, you know, obviously the wise choice, and President Biden wouldn't no. be the wise choice. That kind of campaigning. But uh, what is the difference between Trump and, and Biden? You know how how good was Trump? How bad was Biden? To word it from a Trump supporter's point of view. Well, I was I was never really a Trump supporter, so um, <laughs> neither am I a Biden supporter. Um, Trump, first, that's a tough question because I think we could talk about it for hours, but the Trump didn't do much in terms of getting things passed. There was a lot of stalemate, and I, I consider myself actually a bit more of a libertarian than a conservative, and as somebody who wants more limited government, I kind of think that was... On that front, actually, I, I think he did quite well um, because not that much did get done. What did what did seem to happen? Some of his policies, either internally or um, kind of stated agenda items, were if we had a new regulation, let's try to cut two from the books. Those are those are things that I'd be in favor of. Naturally, he's was just obnoxious. He didn't handle things with COVID very well. I mean, strategically, if you're thinking about how do you get elected, you have a national crisis come to you nine months before the election day, and then you behave like a president and you win the re-election. Right? That's just that's what would have happened if it was Obama, if it was George W. Bush, if it was Bill Clinton, if it was George H. W. Bush, if it was Reagan, if it was Jimmy Carter, would have even gotten re-elected if COVID had hit in February or March before, but he couldn't do it because that's it's who he is, right? He's um, He didn't handle it very well, and he certainly didn't try to lead in a cohesive manner. Um, but Biden, I, I don't know what he wants. I don't think he's... I question his overall competence. I question whether he's his mental health is deteriorating. I think the stimulus bill in early February was horrible. If there was one thing you could have done with it that I think would have been incredible would have been to, if you get these payments, it's conditional upon getting vaccinated. I think that would have been incredible and would have pushed up the vaccination rates, which, um, but... No, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't have that much positive to say. He is better behaved, right? I well, mean, that's there's, there's no question around that, right? I mean, he's not. Um, he, he's certainly uh, much better behaved. Is there a number? You know, we we talk about two different bills right now that, that the Democrats have been trying to get through, and the president met with all the Democrats this past week and still didn't get a deal. But one is the one plus trillion dollar natural infrastructure bill, and one is this three point whatever uh, personal infrastructure bill. Take the first one, the regular infrastructure bill. Good for the economy or bad for the economy? 
I don't know if it's necessarily economy or not, right? I think the economy's doing fine if this doesn't happen. If you just look at the trajectory of unemployment rates, they've been dropping. I think they're going to continue to drop. I really don't know that the stimulus or that the uh, infrastructure bill is going to affect that much at all. What uh, I think uh, the better question on the infrastructure bill, and really all of the bills, is this isn't free money, right? I mean, this is this money is going to be paid either in, in taxes or added debt, which future generations, higher interest rates, less opportunities to do other things later. So is it worth doing, right? If you're talking about fixing bridges that, needed to, that need to be fixed, like traditional infrastructure, you make some good arguments that maybe a lot of it should be done. I wouldn't argue it on economic grounds now. Now, in 2008, you know, when the, or 2009, 2010, when the unemployment rate was 8, 9, 10%, and it took a long time, I actually think you had a much stronger argument then for a massive infrastructure to try to power down the unemployment rate by, by these new jobs. But I don't think it's quite as good of an argument now. What about the other bill? Human infrastructure, if you will, a free daycare, free community college, uh, although I dislike the word free in that, but, you know, without cost to the consumer, I guess, would be a better way they of saying it. quote the White House. That's what they call it. <laughs> right. Sure. Well, what the, impact would that have if it gets passed at that number? Well, I, I certainly don't think it would have a, a positive effect on the economy. I, gu- I guess the question would come down to how much do you trust the government controlling, the government having influence over school districts? And, and I'm, I'm relatively pessimistic on the government's jobs if they have increased control that the quality would be high. So I I would be a bit negative on that. Those who are more positive on that might... um might think otherwise. But how much debt can we sustain, Matt? There you go. That's a good question. I don't. I don't know the answer. It's. It's gotten higher. It's getting. And this is something that happens um, when Democrats are in office. You always hear Republicans talking about, "Oh, we've got to worry about the debt." When Trump was in office, <laughs> Democrats like- are saying, "Well, we've got to worry about the debt," and you're not doing it. Both parties have really been horrible with this, and. There's some limit. I don't know what it is. There are there are some economists, and I completely disagree um, with with the view that the debt just doesn't matter at all. I mean, um, I, I don't buy into that. I, you know, we we make interest payments on the debt, which means that's less money we have to do other things. So at some point, there's a limit where where things could happen. I, clearly, we're we're not there yet where there's problems, but it's uh, it's. Well, we could be upside down in the, eventually where we owe more than we're worth. Yeah, and then then it's interesting. So the, um, I mean, the proponents that say that it doesn't matter, it's like, well, we have unlimited power to tax, and you can always literally print. Well, neither of those are good things, right? I mean, if you're taxing more or cutting spending, yeah, you can pay down the debt, but then people have less to, to spend, um, and or you're cutting down services, and if you're using your power to print, right, that simply leads to inflation or even hyperinflation. So neither of those are are good ideas at all. So, um, or you can just default on the debt, which is also not not a good idea at all. Or you could sell bonds to the Chinese, which is how we've been financing the government for the past few years anyway. (laughs) Yeah, well, so, I mean, it's interesting. When I started teaching uh, macroeconomics that that wasn't nearly as big as it is now. And when you're thinking in terms of foreign ownership of U.S. debt, that's gone up considerably. And I don't think this is a nefarious scheme by those who are buying our debt. It's people around the world see U.S. Uh, US bonds and think 
this is about the safest asset I could possibly own. Let me buy those. How much U.S. debt is owned overseas? I'd have to look up the exact percentage. The last I remember seeing was about a little over a third. Uh, please, you know. I'm saying this on the radio, so saying please don't quote me is probably the wrong thing to say. But uh, we could we could look it up pretty quickly um, on that. But last I remember, it was a little bit over a third. Yeah, I'd be curious how much is foreign owned at all, and how much is owned by China. Yeah, yeah, that'd be because we worry about that, and you know, I'm sure the number is probably in the ten to fifteen percent range is owned by China, which is somewhat concerning in general. I mean, I don't think it's you know, I don't think it's a corporate takeover or anything. All right, we're going to take a quickie break. Professor Matt Rose, who is here, will open up the phone lines if you have a question about economics or politics. Uh, he is a follower of this. He also follows very closely the work of entrepreneurs around here. So maybe you're interested in that. Introduce us to Dr. Emma. Fleck, the great uh, professor over there who was here recently talking about resilient businesses in Sunbury that uh, were studied and uh, the six traits that these uh, Sunbury businesses had. So we can talk about that or other topics. Uh, 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. You can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com. Pushing the wrong button. Sorry, folks. You see, I shouldn't be producing here or helping. I shouldn't be helping. Well, I am prepared to mess up. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back, uh, Mr. Mark Stevens is on the other side of the glass. He is ready to answer the phone. If you dial 1-800-795-9565, you can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. And Professor Matt Rosu is here from Susquehanna University. He's an economist, a dean of the Sigmund Weiss School of Business. He's a columnist as well. Your column still appears in the Daily Item occasionally, right? Yes, yep. yep. Okay, super. All right, so uh, lessons of COVID. Tell us about that. We shut down businesses in some places, not others. we got this big political fight underway. No, I, I, I think the past year has highlighted just a couple things um, to me uh, that are some, I don't know if obvious is the right word, but I've if you look at the controversies COVID's caused in the school districts and right now a lot of it's over, should, should students be masked or not masked, and a, there's a governor's mandate now, but we don't have a market for public schools. Right. I mean, you, you spend money, uh, you, everybody puts in their tax money, and then they're, they're 
students, uh, the, the children there, get to go to a particular school district. Now, you can pay twice, right? You can pay your tax money and then send somewhere else. And there are some charter school alter- alternatives, but for the for the most part, right, you have the alternative there. That's what you've paid for. Whereas most of the world is a market-based system. Um, you choose which kind of car you like, and you're not paying tax money, and you get a car, and then you double pay if you want if you don't like the car that you buy from the government. Um, markets generally are more efficient in general. That's why I think school choice could be good. But a lot of these problems where you have these massive controversies over, right now it's should students be masked or not masked, wouldn't be there if you had a more of a marketplace for schools where you had school funding follow the parents and saying, hey, you have a child. You get this much funding to go to a school. And then there's a number of schools around. Some of them surely would require masks. Some of them surely wouldn't. And you wouldn't have people feeling so hurt and upset that they're paying money in. They deserve it this way, and you can understand the feelings if somebody pays money in and does this. So I think it's, I think the pandemic has highlighted the fact that the, the current structure for the school systems, we could do a lot better. But isn't that why we elect school directors, why that there's that whole process of we elect eight or nine people to run the school board? Presumably, they represent the community and have the community's interests at heart. Oh, they do, and, and I think they do a great job. And I'll say I've, our kids have gone to Sealands Grove, and I've loved the education they've gotten from there um, and love the hard work that the teachers are putting in and everybody's putting in. But at the end of the day, right, there's no way one district, one one school is going to be satisfying the everybody, needs of everybody. all of the different individuals. Um, just like there's not, um, you know, some people might like a Toyota Camry, which is what I drive. I have a friend who makes fun of me for driving a Toyota Camry and <laughs> wants something else, right? And it's, you know, we joke about that because... He could buy whatever he wants, and I can buy whatever I want um, on that front. Whereas the school district schools, it's it's not that way. And then you get the heated arguments because, of course, everybody thinks the school district should go the way they'd want. Um, and so, I mean, I agree with you. Yeah, and I, I do think um, I do applaud everybody who's putting in all those efforts. But it's it's the one it's the setup of the system really is helping to lead to the controversy because there's no way. But don't, don't we dilute, Matt, don't we dilute the educational process by having so many choices? I mean, if our eggs are all in all these different baskets, do we have enough eggs to cover them? I wouldn't think that's the case. Uh, I also think different students might benefit from different education styles and, and setups. And also competition might help with the school districts, right? If different schools, there might be some that innovate that reach some students and not others. And But that's kind of a, a general argument. I think the, the controversies with COVID have highlighted just one more reason a lot of this, a lot of these controversies wouldn't be there if, if parents were like, oh, okay, I'm going to send my student to the one that is not requiring masks or vice versa. Well, and we have other th- issues today, too, about what's being taught in schools. Some people object to the critical race theory being taught. Some people object to certain books being on the shelves. You know, how, how, do, we, how do we reconcile all this? Again, do we ever? <laughs> I mean, uh, under, the, under the current system, I think you're going to have the same thing. You're going to have, if, if you have a school board making the choice, some people will be happy and some people won't. And if you, some people will choose, right? It's generally the wealthier, uh, well, not just generally, almost entirely wealthier families. Families who can afford to then pay to send their kids to a school. Which your tuition, I, I want to just add on here, tuition for a charter school follows you out of the school. It does. It does. Yep, so that does. So there are some 
right? There are some charter schools, uh, cyber schools, where that does happen. Um, but it's it's somewhat limited, in, at least well, in, around in this here. area. Yeah, in, yeah, around here. I mean, it would have to be a cyber charter school, though the local schools are offering cyber schools now as part of their, and the CSIU yep. has a good one. Let me uh, go back to the macroeconomics in the U.S. We have a big worker shortage here. Some of it is attributed to the generous benefits that the U.S. government afforded individuals who were made unemployed by the pandemic. Are there other subtle reasons? I mean, we had a worker shortage prior to the pandemic pandemic. Other subtle reasons we might have a worker shortage? Yeah, I mean, some of it I think would be the benefits. Some of it is perhaps a shift in job types. Um, You know, like the pandemic changed the way we we do some operations, so that could, could have shifted job types. Some of it actually might be immigration. Um, if immigration is more restricted, um, either for those who are um, in the country legally or not, right? I mean, then that if that's cutting down the supply of workers, that's going to help lead to a worker shortage. Um, I, I would think all of those could – so the, on top of the pure unemployment insurance – there, the stimulus checks also may, maybe had a small role, a modest role in this as well, right? If you and somebody who's really not as sure about working, an extra few thousand dollars, that's an extra few thousand dollars. Uh, maybe they can hold on to it and not, you know, hold off from not working for work. a little while. So, so there's a multifaceted. Economists are still studying that. There's there's debate among economists on what the what the primary cause is of frankly, the massive worker shortage. I've always thought about welfare being reversed, that instead of giving people money just because they can't work or don't work or have some reason why they can't uh, can't be participants in the economic system, that we ought to reward those who actually do go to work and maybe take a less of a job than they might have been able to get in some other circumstances and compensate them extra. You know, that we should incentivize work instead of incentivizing, I don't want to say sloth, but uh, inaction. <laughs> Joe, you don't Joe, like it, Joe, right? Joe, 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 honest to Pete. Uh, You're both staring at me like I crawled out from under a rock. So well, I, no, I, it's worth exploring next time. Thank you so much, Matt. Well, thanks for having me. Really thanks, appreciate it. Fun. Professor Rosu from Susquehanna University. Uh, we'll talk about him after he's gone. This is WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on. Welcome back to WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. It is October 4th, 2021. Professor Matt Rosu, the dean of the Sigmund Wise School of Business, was on the first half of our program. And so uh, I thought he brought some interesting insights. It's interesting from a professorial viewpoint, questioning the competency and the decision making of Joe Biden. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think I always say that Joe's doing the best that I can, and so uh, the uh, sort of the more objective viewpoint to see what outsiders that, uh, as he mentioned, he's not a big partisan person, more libertarian than conservative, but uh, uh, we really appreciate his uh, viewpoints. So uh, if you have a question or observation about his viewpoints, call us now, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com and text us at 70236, include the keyword OTM. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mark Stevens is our producer today. 
And uh, Mr. Joe McGranahan, back from his uh, three-day-long vacation, or four-day-long vacation, is back. So welcome back, sir. Anything fun while you were away? I don't know how you figured that. I was gone Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's three days. Oh, three days. Okay. It just seemed like forever until <laughs> you got back. We were so <laughs> anticipating your return. Did you do anything fun over the weekend? Yes, I mowed the lawn. Oh, did you? Good for you. Okay. <laughs> Joe's very exciting, and so we're glad that he brought that excitement. All right, brief news headlines, but we'll take open phones, 1-800-795-9565. You can talk uh, to us about any of the remarks of Professor Rosu or the normal things we often talk about. We've been talking about this abyss that President Biden has gotten himself into that can only go upward from here. Uh, how uh, 2% of the U.S. Senate can hold the whole place hostage might be an observation. Maybe there's a local Thank issue. Thank goodness for them. We talked about the mask mandate, and we're going to talk about Facebook in a couple seconds here. Uh, in the news today, a Snyder County man has been arrested after state police responded to a domestic violence incident in Beavertown. September 22nd, 47-year-old Barry Stahl of Beavertown placed in the Snyder County prison after allegedly strangling and assaulting a woman. He's held $7,500 bail. Be fully vaccinated or be subject to daily testing or else. That's the word from Evangelical Community Hospital. And their new policy requiring everyone to be vaccinated takes effect today. There are individuals who are not happy about daily testing, but you have the choice. We hold firm on that. We will not be changing our mind on that. And that is Kendra Ocker, president and CEO. You have to undergo daily testing or you could be terminated at Evangelical. Three people are dead in Florida, and deputies say a man with ties to Schuylkill County in Polk County, Florida, is responsible for it. 39-year-old Sean Runyon was uh, there working for an electric company based in Schuylkill County, killed three individuals, severely wounded uh, several others, according to police. Elizabeth Smart participated in a regional conference around here recently. Uh, she was a kidnapped victim when she was 14 years old and says, please do not make that the only thing you say about her. Just because something bad has happened to you, it doesn't define who you are. It doesn't make you, you. Yes, it might absolutely alter your direction in life, but it doesn't define who you are. You define who you are through the decisions and the choices uh, the conference was co-sponsored by BHARP, the Behavioral Health Alliance of Rural Pennsylvania, based in State College, and CMSU, the Columbia Montour Snyder Union Behavioral Health and Developmental Services uh, Office, based in Danville. Several hundred people joined together on the Capitol steps in Harrisburg Saturday, participating in a march and rally for abortion and reproductive rights. It's one of the hundreds of events that took place around the U.S. The theme of the rally was bans off our bodies. It was organized in response to the recent law in Texas banning abortions after six weeks. Pro-choice advocates uh, say before most women even know they're pregnant, uh, they would be banned from having an abortion. Those advocates say reproductive rights are under attack, and they made their voices heard in Harrisburg. Quote, abortion is a woman's right, and as long as I am serving the good people of Pennsylvania, I will always protect that right, unquote, said the state attorney general, Josh Shapiro, and likely Democratic gubernatorial candidate next year. And Facebook under fire, a former Facebook employee turned whistleblower, says the social media giant prematurely turned off safeguards designed to thwart misinformation and rabble-rousing after Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump in last year's election. CBS News Money Watch correspondent Diane King-Hall is following that story. Frances Haugen revealed herself as the Facebook whistleblower on 60 Minutes. Haugen is a former employee that filed complaints against the social media giant with federal law enforcement. 
She says Facebook's own research shows that it amplifies hate, misinformation, and political unrest, but the company hides what it knows. Haugen plans to testify before Congress this week. She believes the federal government should impose regulations. Haugen, uh, Facebook contends that Haugen's allegations are misleading and insists there's no evidence at all whatsoever to support the premise that it's the primary cause of social polarization, uh, suicide among teens, or riots at the U.S. Capitol. <laughs> That's a good one. Right, and, and this Buy Back Better plan is cost-free. And, and did you see Cedric Richmond, Biden's senior advisor? He repeated that claim on Sunday, saying the $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation bill, which Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema have stalled, will cost nothing. He said, I think what's important for people to understand is that this piece of legislation costs zero. We're going to pay for it all by raising taxes on the very wealthy and big corporations. The Biden plan, soak the rich. Well, yeah, it's interesting how you can say it will cost nothing and say, well, it'll raise taxes on certain high-earning corporations and or the rich. Well, then it's not costing nothing. It's costing them something. Even the government budget office has conceded that there's not enough tax revenue to be raised by these two things going up to the, what is the corporate tax, 28% from 21 to 28 and then I forget what they're doing, uh, Thirty is it 39% on uh, the richest Americans, something like that, that there's not enough money there to, to close the gap on these bills. <laughs> so you mean after another big proposal goes through Washington, the deficit will go even higher? Yes, it will go higher. What? and And they're inevitably, <laughs> and I, I don't know whether one of, one of those Internet memes saying that um, uh, Jen Psaki was quoted as saying that it was un- absurd to believe that co- companies would raise their prices if they got higher taxes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether that's true or not, but okay. let's face it, in the end, it gets passed on to the consumer. Everything like this gets eventually passed on to the consumer. All right. One of our listeners sends us a note that says, The people protesting abortion laws claiming freedom of choice are the same ones okay with vaccine mandates. Pathetic, <laughs> says one of our listeners. All right. Let's go to the callers. Uh, Eric, thank you for waiting. Uh, thanks for calling at all. Thanks for being you. Thanks for being alive. And we're happy to take your call. Now, have we covered everything? <laughs> Good morning. Two marks and not your average Joe. What a beautiful day in Central PA. There you go. Uh, so I uh, appreciate the remarks of the good professor this morning. Um, just some little, little thoughts from where I'm sitting here in the southern Snyder County. Uh, workers. I-, I believe truly that people, most people want to work. It gives you a sense of value. It gives you a sense of participation in society. But you're not going to have these workers uh, work if it's costing them more to work than to sit. Okay? Um, and I, what, what, the angle I'm taking this is benefits. What we need to have is enforcing requirements that companies provide their workers with benefits. And not just, oh, here, here's a, uh, a medical plan you have, but then you find out that, yeah, it's a medical plan, but you have a, a $5,000 or $10,000 deductible. <laughs> That's not health insurance, okay? All that does is cause people to postpone things until they actually have a tra- tragic event and end up in the hospital with a $250,000 hospital bill, which they can't afford to pay, and then you and I end up paying for it through the subsidies that we do for hospitals. 
But if we would have our companies in this country start taking some social responsibility, prior to that, we had our unions and the unions and the ability to strike and collective bargaining. We were able to have a great number of our folks have things such as health care, things as such a pension plan. Isn't it amazing when those things, those requirements went away and unions went away, all of a sudden we had, had people no longer staying with jobs because they're hopping from job to job. Well, why would someone stay with a company when that company is not also investing in them and having them stay? Or you reach middle management, and it happened to my brother, and you're with a company for 25 years, and all of a sudden you're, you're, uh, you're pushed out because you're, you're coughing too much and you're thrown to the kick to the curb, you know? Um, but you're you're missing you're, you're you're you know you're not covering one aspect of this and that is the cost of these benefits that you're talking about. When I was running radio stations, uh, we fully paid for the employee and their family for their health insurance. But that could no longer be reasonable at all. I mean, the costs have gone up exponentially with what I call cover your posterior medicine today, where they test you for everything. The minute you walk into the family doctor, you know, and say, I have a cough, you're you're getting chest x-rays at one place, you're seeing a pulmonologist somewhere else, you know, and, and they're trying to cover themselves. And I don't blame them. I mean, given the, the laws and given the lawsuits that have been common over the past years, that you have to cover your posterior but those costs and, have just gone up exponentially. Right, we, we have a litigation society, and I would also be in favor of uh, of uh, in, you know the, having limited tort, limited uh, you know ability to to sue for everything. And I, I have friends who are in the insurance industry. I have I worked in the healthcare industry, healthcare insurance industry for the Commonwealth. I have, have friends who are also on the other side who are in the litigation industry. You know, and there's arguments to all sides of this, but. I think what uh, the at least the uh, Obama plan for health care was a start in the right direction. And, of course, we hit then four years of, of President Trump saying, well, I have a better plan. Of course, then after four years, and even now, we have never seen that because there never was one. Um, but in my mind, your workers will come when it benefits them to come, and they will stay if it benefits them to stay. And let's, let's face it, and you have to admit this, uh, Joe, uh, how many of these huge corporations have these golden parachutes and these stock buyouts where these head officials are making millions and billions and billions of dollars? Is that right? And then that's not taxed? They're making them on the backs of the workers. Should, should not those people who are making billions just by being in a position and stock, stock things, why should they have all this and not pay their fair share? Shouldn't that be shared back with the worker and maybe have... There are 10,000 workers each get a $1,000 raise or $1,000 or more benefits rather than this person making $500 million instead of $100 million a year? Well, I'll agree with you that to the extent that salaries and compensation packages are excessive, they should be reined in. But on the other hand, the person who assumes the management of the entire large company has far more responsibility than the guy who's running the lathe down in the shop. You know, so you've but got to take that, that into consideration too, and you have to take but, into consideration what they bring to the table. But then, when things fail, they all have golden parachutes. Where if they fail, they still get a buyout of several hundred million dollars. I just said to you, well, I agree. Well, I agree with you on that. I just said I agree with you on that. To the extent that these packages are, are excessive, they should be reined in. And now, now this information about all these offshore... Uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to do that next. Hiding and everything? <laughs> I knew that was going to be next. 
Yep, how easy it is. You just need a good lawyer up in New York, and you can hide millions of dollars overseas, uh, pay no taxes on it at all, uh, literally yeah. at all whatsoever. And, the, and these are the same ones who are good Americans, say, oh, yeah, I'm doing everything, and oh, Oh, who else did we ever see the tax returns from? Oh, that's right, our former president. Well, Never bear, in, those either. bear in mind, Eric, that for years, both Republicans and Democrats who have had the power have failed to close the loopholes that you're talking about. And, and why that, is that? But that's because they're getting they're owned by the people who are may, making uh, the big political contributions to their campaigns. You're absolutely right. And what we as Americans and the average citizen need to do is stay informed and, and not just because someone's on television and get on television it costs millions and billions of dollars and stay informed of what the actual issues are but americans are lazy they, they want they want all the information to come to them my hope is with the uh free internet and the blogs and so forth that our next generation is going to start you know and i think we're starting to see this be more engaged in their medias and until uh, corporate america figure out, out a way to tax that or get more money out of that which they probably will you know, I think we have a better chance of having a more informed you know, voting voting uh, population. At the same time, when you have all these restrictions coming down about who can vote and can't vote, I'm afraid we're turning so many of our young people off. Fair enough. And uh, that, that concerns me as well. Thank you, Eric. Right. Appreciate you, your Eric. call. Thank you so Thanks, much guys. for calling in. All right, stand by, stand. We'll be right back, but we got a couple open lines. 1-800-795-9565. Email us at onthemarketwkok.com and text us at 70236. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. Uh, Mr. Mark Stevens is doing that which we asked him to do, and that's accepting calls that were sent to 1-800-795-9565. We'll handle the emails that are sent to on the Mark at WKOK.com. If you'd like to weigh in on our discussion, we'll look at the Text Connect message. Uh, If you'd like to participate in Text Connect, just text us uh, the word WKOK or the letters WKOK to 70236, and you'll get a good message message welcoming you to WKOK's Text Connect, which means that when there's breaking national, local news, uh, we'll send that out to you in a short message with a link uh, to get more information. But it's two-way communication. You can send us a message anytime, and that's 70236. Always include the keyword OTM. Stan, you have been waiting an inordinately long time. We appreciate (laughs) your patience. You're back on the air, though. Uh. You had uh, Professor Russo on there, and he he was you were talking about Biden and his big spending plan that he wants to get through, and you know he's in the debt and all that, and he was saying about you know the government could tax, and I forget what else all he did say, but 
and, they, and that's what they're going to do in this bill. They want to tax, 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 but they don't want to cut it to, to pay off the debt. They don't want to cut any spending. They just want to increase spending. So all the spending that was going on prior to what's if they get these bills passed will still be going on, but then we're going to add all this on top of it, so the debt's just going to get increased, increased. And even with the tax increases that they're going to put on, won't pay for it. Well, so that's, that's the nature it's a, it's of a circular, circular, I don't know, you could call it a circular fire squad. We keep shooting our, ourselves in the foot <laughs> or each other with it, with this, with this stupidity. It is the counterclockwise of motion of the nation's budget going down the <laughs> toilet. And, uh, you know, well, that's the way people get reelected. You don't get reelected in Washington if you go there and, and hold spending and start to enact a plan to pay off the debt. And My do fellow Americans, sense. we must tighten our belts. Right, yeah. Oh, well, you, you lost. <laughs> that would be a fam- famous uh, state re- or U.S. Congress person that never was. <laughs> she always said that. So, yeah, you, you have to spend more, you have to do more. And uh, I'm glad Matt pointed out quite appropriately that Republicans are the biggest spenders in Washington. Democrats are number two. So, well, it's true. So, And, and uh, only in fantasy they're land. Both, they're, uh, Mark, they're both guilty. Well, equally both the same. Okay, well, I'll, I'll be perfectly willing to stipulate that. So, yeah, I, I think our government is way broken. I've asked him in the past, we didn't ask him today, is our republic gone down? And he says, I don't know. You know, you just can't tell by what's happening now. The, some of the key Harvard of that are in place. But I think what Dr. Russo conceded, and I agree with him, is that there's a, some kind of a limit on how much borrowing we can do. And we've almost got to be approaching that limit, as far as I'm concerned, because how much of the national or the budget is taken up in debt service? I mean, it was like, I think, 30, 30% or 32% was the last number I heard, and I may be off on that. But, you know, that's a lot of money just covering the debt. That money could be spent to, if we, if we operate it like a household where I save for what I want to do instead of borrowing for what I want to do. Stan's going to laugh. We'd be really a lot better off. Now. <laughs> well, All right, Stan, we'll give you the I, last I mean, word. You're, and you're right, because if, 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 you know, if you try to spend that much, the banks are going to cut you off eventually. Actually, probably a lot sooner than you would like them to if you just want to spend, 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 you know, to buy your cars, your houses, and, the, you know, your jewelry and all that stuff. If you're doing all that and borrowed money, they're going to cut you off. Well, they said that the, and I, I this number I do recall, I saw it on the news the other day, that this three-point-something trillion-dollar bill or budget would, if they gave the money directly to the American people, would give, give them $60,000 per family. Every man, woman, Every and child. Fam- no, family, it said. So I would say that that's probably a family unit. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how many families there are in the United States. But $60,000. Probably $200 billion. Yeah, that, that's, you know, that's a year's salary for a lot of people or more. So, you know, and, and, and you know, Eric called up about uh, saying how the, you know, the employers could keep employees by offering them benefits. That's, you know, and, and the government should mandate that they offer these benefits. That's the, you know, that's a walking down the road of fascism where the government controls what businesses do. Right. Eventually, they'll want to take over production. We got you, Stan. Thank you so much for calling in. Always, always very much appreciated, Thanks, Dan. sir. Take care. Thanks. All right. Yep. Well, uh, let's see. We got one caller standing by. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Go ahead, Cindy. Thanks for waiting. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Listen, I agree with Joe completely. You know, we can lay the culpability for the entire taxing fiasco at the feet of Congress. They approve these things, and they put them into place, and they don't have the, the moral courage to correct them when it 
proves out that it's false. You know, they come out with these song and dance stories about how it's going to benefit this person, that person, etc. And when that doesn't prove out, they, they say, oh gosh, we better undo this. Nope, nope, nope. They guard it, you know, viciously. It's, a, it's remarkable to me. And worse yet is, so people would say, well, Cindy, the thing to do is elect someone else. Good luck with that. First of all, we, the people, have made running for office such a um, frightening thing. You know, if there's, if you ever stepped out of line in your entire life, they'll eat you for lunch. And if it wasn't you, but it was your spouse or your child, they'll go after you for that as well. So who can risk? running for office, even if they would do the right thing when they know the price their family will pay. And we, we saw that most clearly these last four years. They unhesitatingly attacked not just the president, but his spouse, his children, unhesitatingly attacked them. So who's going to run that risk to go down there and try to straighten this from the south? Nobody in their right mind. Oh, you make a good point. I mean, it, it's awfully, we, we become so polarized that anybody who disagrees with us automatically has to be demonized. There has to yes. be something wrong with them. In other words, it couldn't just be an opposing opinion that we can reconcile if we sit down and discuss it. It has to be something where we immediately go for the jugular. Well, I think we see how there are indeed entities, as far as, I mean, it's my belief, there are entities who are playing with us. We're just pawns in this game. And they they use the media to activate the pawns to throw stones at each other. It's it's a horrible thing. It's no I have one final comment. Having watched the report about Facebook yesterday, it's a mystery to me why anybody does business with them. If you think that that is appropriate, why continue to do business with them? I have never had a Facebook account nor will I ever have a Facebook account, and my belief is only reinforced by that report on 60 Minutes yesterday. Wow. Wow, are they corrupt. Thank you, gentlemen. Well, there's going to be a congressional testimony from that whistleblower tomorrow, I believe oh, it oh, is. That's, so. that's, that's such a difference in our lives, you know. All they do is stand down there, and they don't even let the person testify, Joe. Each congressperson comes in and gives their five minutes up Anticipating for themselves. Oh, that's they rarely true. ask a meaningful question. And even if they do, then they say, well, my time is up, my time is up. Yeah, because you blathered away for the whole five minutes. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, right. thank you so much. Yeah. They do bloviate down there. Yeah, well, so what are the crimes of Facebook? Uh, let's see, they own Instagram, of course, which is, uh, we know now is, is significantly responsible for, or significant contributor to teen suicide and depression and obesity and some other uh, teen issues that are being exacerbated. Other I'm not a, I'm not a subscriber to that, uh, but you seem to be well aware of it. So how, in what way do they do that? How, how Just are they accentuate using their algorithm to promote uh, perfect bodies rather than So in other words, if um, I, I keep getting an invitation to join TikTok, which features a rather uh, scantily clad young lady in a yellow outfit dancing. Right. Well, that's one it, of them. I mean, is that, is that uh, what I'm supposed I, to be I'm attracted to? I'm not sure to? about that. I'm, I, I'm not sure if that's part 
part of it or but, not. But I mean, is this what they do in general? I mean, they, I, I, I ha- unlike Cindy, I've had a Facebook account, and I know you do as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my interest in it isn't in politics, and I have never and will never post anything political on it. What's your primary the, interest on Facebook? It, it's keeping up with friends and how their and grandchildren family. are doing, their kids are doing, what they're <laughs> up to, what they're involved with. I mean, I actually view it as a friendship type thing where a way I can keep in touch. Oh, like I have a friend that uh, is in, lives in Pittsburgh. We worked together closely during my years running radio stations, and uh, he was he represented us from a sales standpoint. We've become good friends over the years. Now, I can't see him every day, but I like to know what his grandchildren are up to, what he's up to. To me, that was the whole intent of Facebook, wasn't it? Right, and the CBS introduction says the social giant turned off the safeguards that thwart misinformation and rabble-rousing after the election last year so that more people could post more misinformation. Who was the rabble? Is that us? Uh, well, I, I think it was primarily President Trump supporters. Although oh, there certainly rabble. Are, okay. There certainly are some... That uh, basket of deplorables. Some Democratic, uh, yeah, deplorables who are um, part of the problem. But in the past, uh, the if it was misinformation, Facebook would try to, to limit it, and then if it was an inciting remark, they would try to limit it. But it's, she says they turned all that off. So. Well, I've seen email, I've seen Facebook posts from some of my friends that come with a statement uh, actually blocking it out temporarily, saying that this has been fact-checked and found to be lacking context or mm-hmm. accuracy. Yeah, that's, that's one fallout of turning those safeguards back on. She says that Facebook amplifies hate misinformation and political unrest, and, and the company hides what it knows about these uh, activities. What I've noticed, and, and this is absolutely true, every time I have Googled something or looked up something on the Internet, always, always you get the liberal slant first. There can be tw- ten, right. 10 or 12 things there. There'll be the New York Times, the Washington Post, um, all of these, liber- Huff- Huffington Post, all these liberal sources will be up first, and it mil- might have nothing to do with what you actually asked. It'll be something peripheral, but it will have to do with the liberal side of it. I don't now, know. I don't think that's fair. I may not retire from radio any more than you did when you retire, but I hope someday I step out of radio sufficiently that I can get off Facebook. You know, Mark Lawrence has a Facebook page. Uh, I do not put personal things on there. I just use it to, you know, so I can look at our Facebook page and kind of keep things going. If, if I see a chocolate sale somewhere, I might post that. But it's really primarily so I can keep in touch. And, and it's a great way to know what's going on. But uh, as soon as I can possibly get off of it once and for all, I will. Well, I mean, I get Facebook requests, friend requests from some people I, I don't know. or people You don't who, know at all. Well, I don't know at all. Or, or they know they're friends of friends of friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always try to make a value judgment about whether or not I should, um, you know, if it looks like they have some common interests with me, I'll be happy to send them, you know, accept their friend request. <laughs> but on the other hand, if I don't know them and I don't see any common interest, I tend not to, to respond. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anybody else there that loves Civil War history, stamps and coins? Your Facebook friend Joe, you have a common interest. All right. We've got a caller ready to go. Stand by Mike, but we'll take more comers. 1-800 
All right, welcome back. Listen, in the future on WKOK, this Friday, we're going to be talking. John Shipman's going to come back, and we're going to be talking about, of course, it's Financial Friday. We'll talk about the chamber but uh, and the jobless numbers. But we're also going to talk about the Convention of States. The president of the Pennsylvania Division of Convention of States is going to be calling in. So we'll talk about this. You know, is there any way we can reel in our U.S. government? And Convention of States may be one way to do that. So we'll find out on Friday. And in the months ahead, or the week ahead, we'll invite Alf Sievers to call or visit uh, related to, he's another conservative professor in our area, and he is one of the leaders of the Open Discourse Coalition at, uh, at, in Lewisburg, where they're trying to get uh, people on both sides of these divisive issues to talk to each other. So we're going to keep addressing We do that here every day. Issues. Right, yeah, we talked, but we are very divided. We, I don't think we seek common ground at all. Well, I think we just. I think we argue need to explore. Ourselves. If you don't explore the division, you can't even begin to have a common ground. Listen, we explored the division, right? But you don't listen to what anybody else says. Well, so. me, you don't listen. <laughs> I'm a natural born. I actually <laughs> am a natural born listener. I call you a natural born listener as a courtesy, but I I know the truth. It's October, by the way. You're strikingly handsome. That's out of the way oh, now. Good, thank you. Good morning, Mike from Bloomsburg. You're on the mark. Hey, good morning. Before I get into my subjective stuff, I'll speak objectively. Uh, here in Columbia County, we got a large band of heavy rain coming through. Parts of northern Columbia County have had over an inch and a half, and it's still raining hard up there. Get so out of here. If you're on the roads in Columbia County, watch out. Well, we had it here on my way in, so it must have moved up to your direction, because I, it, I have never seen it rain that hard. Really? Yeah, it, it was it was it was raining so hard it looked like a mist in the sky. You know what I mean? A mist. Yeah. You know when you look out. But anyway. <laughs> Enough of the weather. Uh, when it comes to you know Facebook, Twitter, and these other uh, social media sites, to me, they're part of the new elite. And when I talk about the new elite, I'm talking about the Democrat Party that's controlled now by the rich. It used to be the other way around, but now we have uh, these technology tycoons that are making billions of dollars. They're funding the Democrat Party. They funded the... Uh, voter turnout in uh, last election, and they and they got their guy in, or at least they got the administration that they went, wanted. I don't know if Biden is particularly the guy, but they got the uh, the people that are calling the shots in there. And it, what, what bothers me the most, we, we, we listen to the left criticize people like myself about, you know, we don't believe in facts, we don't believe in science and everything. And, and time after time, the, the mainstream, this is just my opinion now, like I said, we're switching to opinion. The mainstream media, they, and the technology people, they are willing to suppress anything, even if it's true, if it hurts the objectives of the Democrat left. And I think that's where we are right now. You know, we're, people, people are divided, you know, you know but the, the problem with that is people are divided on one side because they believe that what they think and what they know sometimes as being truth are being shut down and, and those people are being ostracized and, and, and attacked by the, by the Democrat left and, and the media allies that they have. And I think that these people in Facebook, you, you, you know, I've made many posts, okay, and some of them are labeled uh, partly misleading, or, uh, or or they send me a notice saying that you know only you can see this because it violates our community standards. <laughs> well, you know that that's real nice, 
And then they give you an opportunity to protest, but then they say, currently all our people that listen to your concerns are busy, so goodbye. <laughs> you, know, so I, you know, it's just, I, I don't know what to say other than I, I think we are in dire, dire straits, and uh, at least we have what appears to be some people still in Washington that are, are, are thinking straightly, even if they have a D behind their name. I'm hoping this isn't a big charade. But they, they understand the ramifications of more government programs that, you know, will never go away, that are unfunded, and are going to raise taxes eventually. And, and as I've always said, the bigger government gets, the smaller the citizen becomes. And uh, that's my sermon for the morning. Well, the, you know, what's interesting is Francis Haugen, I guess it is, who is um, the former employee of um, Facebook. She says the version of Facebook that exists today is tearing our societies apart and causing ethnic violence around the world. Now, I don't know what she's seeing on Facebook that I don't see, but, you know, are you posting things that are going to cause ethnic violence around the world? Is that why they're blocking you, Mike? No, <laughs> not, not at all. I invite it, the Kurds to, to rise up and attack the government. Right. To me, it's just things that, you know, like, for instance, they're, they're, it's known that around the world, some countries are taking, once people develop symptoms of COVID, they're treating them with uh, antiviral uh, medicines and uh, zinc and other things, and they're being successful, okay? By their standards, they are being successful. And if you try to report that on Facebook, it gets you know, uh, labeled misinformation, uh, you know, see, go to the CDC for the real information, and, uh, you know, as a notice, they may say, and, and it's just, it, it goes back to this. The government says we need to have mandates on masks, okay? Well, if masks are the panacea, instead of handing out billions of dollars, why aren't they handing out, you know, N95 masks and have places for people to get them uh, fitted properly so that they are effective, okay, instead of just, you know, anybody throwing whatever they want on their face and calling it a mask. And, and the other thing is, oh, Lord, I, I, I forgot what I was going to say. Hey, oh, well. Now, you, Friday, I forgot what I was going to say, and I remembered it, so I'm going to switch to that. They say <laughs> that the average IQ in America is dropping, okay? So I don't know what that means, but it's just another narrative that you have to look in to see why it is dropping, what's causing it, and what are the ramifications. But people run with the headline of the average IQ in America is dropping, and then they turn it into whatever news that, or whatever meme that they want it to be. It's because of, you know, uh, white Republican males that are too stupid to wear a mask, <laughs> or is it because someone on the left is doing something? <laughs> so I, I think our news is basically uh, impotent and ineffective, and it doesn't matter whether you get it on Facebook, Twitter, or well, yeah. the mainstream media. With the pandemic, maybe it's not that our IQ is dropping. It's just that uh, these ultra-smart Republicans are dying off because they won't wear a mask. Maybe that's the issue. That's lowering the air. Well, that ought to give you uh, some cause for joy, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Getting rid of all these Republicans. I don't want anyone dead. Okay. Mark, I have a specific question for you. Okay. okay. Here, 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 we, here we go. You're the expert. You understand what's going on in the world, and, and people like me don't. So here's the deal. Has the CDC, has the mainstream media pounded into people's head exactly what the, the comorbidities are that increase the risk of death? Did they rank them by relevance as to which ones are the most dangerous? 
Did they did they put all this information? Did they pound that into people's heads? Did they? Yes. I'm I'm not sure what you mean. Have they talked a lot of comorbidities? You mean that when somebody dies of a blood clot while they have COVID, kind of thing? Well, like the underlying conditions, like di- you know, you know, people can say diabetes and heart disease. Or, or oh, I haven't heard. Right? I get you what you're saying. Yeah, I have heard a single word about any comorbidities at all whatsoever. Have you? And, and well. Well, I read about it and stuff. See, I I have kidney disease, and it was a long time before I heard that kidney disease was was one of the major ones, okay? And and that that surprised me. You know, to me, the top five or six should be, like, every person that's, you know, halfway alive and can breathe should be able to say, hey, these are the five comorbidities, and everybody should know that. And those are the people that definitely, you know, should be taking the vaccine, no matter what their age is, okay? And, and and the other thing is the the idea that we will suppress, like I said, suppress known treatments, you know, whether they be uh, prophylactic or whether uh, the ones as soon as symptoms uh, start. But here in the United States, it seems like our 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 government and our health system doesn't <laughs> want to do anything to a person until significant symptoms start. And to me, you know, the cow's already out of the barn. You know, you're, it's too late sometimes to shut the door. So why not take an active? And it, it's almost like, I, I don't want to say what it's almost like. All right. We got. Me, I, think, I think you had a mixed metaphor there. I think it's the horse that's out of the barn. The cow's out in the field anyway. What? Okay. I, well, my dad always <laughs> no, said it's, the it's cow. too late to shut the door when the cows are out. Yeah, you know, it's the cows. Did, Joe, you Locking you, the barn door after the horse is out. stay out of farm analogies. <laughs> you don't know anything about farm. Well, you're right. I don't. All right. Hey, thank Mike, you Mike, thanks so much. so much for calling, Mike. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Right. Take care. Take care. All right. Stand by. Dan's going to be our next caller, but we'll take another comer. 1-800-795-9565. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, it's going to have to be a speedy dialer at this point. 1-800-795-9565. Email us at onthemarketwkok.com. Uh, Dan waited patiently, and now he's on the radio. Go ahead, Dan. Hey good, hey, good morning, guys. Before I talk about what I was going to talk about, the reason the IQ in America is dropping, everybody wearing masks, breathing in that stale air, isn't good for your brain. Your oh, brain brother. needs a lot of oxygen. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway. Joe, you mentioned the lathe operator and the executive running the company. I agree partially with Eric. 
you can't man I don't agree with mandating what the employer has to pay his employees or the insurance that he has required to keep on the employee but I'm going to say the lathe operator is just as important as the executive running the company. If that lathe operator don't do his job, the executive won't have a company to run. And what I, my personal opinion is the, the lathe operator is, uh, you need him, but the executive might be worth no more than 10 times what that lathe operator earns. But today, the executive pay is a thousand times or more than a thousand times what the lathe operator makes. And that's where the disparity comes in. That's where I see the disparity. That you know, and that's why the employee at the bottom isn't getting the benefits that he should have. Well, you know, we could argue that's like arguing how many angels can dance on the head of a pin, Dan. I mean, obviously, everybody in a company is important, but the levels of responsibility, I mean, the guy who's running the lathe puts in an eight- or ten-hour day with overtime, and he's pretty much able to go home and not have to worry about anything. But the guy who's running the company has to worry about making the payroll, buying all the supplies, making sure the company turns a profit because they have stockholders. Sales work. The sales work. Sales people work. Right. Believe me, as someone who dealt with that... I can tell you that's very important. But, you know, <laughs> that's, you? I'm just Go saying ahead. that I believe that there are, that, that all, all jobs are important. I'm not going to argue that with you. I'm just saying that certain salary levels are reflected by the re- amount of responsibility the person has. Right. And when the first time you I, I did, started doing stories about Geisinger, I realized the CEO has paid a million dollars. I thought, wow, wow, holy smokes, that's, that's a lot ridiculous. of money. Ridiculous. Well, yeah, but... There, look, I can see a person getting ten times as a figure, ten times, say the employee's making 40000 That ten times that's 400000 Now you tell me, how much money, how much wealth does it take to have fulfillment in life? Well, that, you know, what's the limit? Well, it doesn't, well, that's necessarily, a good, that's a doesn't good necessarily need any, but certainly uh, people, uh, you know, strive for these jobs. But I'm just saying that, you know, you and I are kind of working class folks, Dan, yeah. and, and, and we see the, uh, you know, I think a CEO making 100000 or a million dollars is too much. But company boards and hospital boards don't see it that way. They see these CEOs as helping to guide the vision of the company and to keep, uh, you know, thousands, for Geisinger, it's thousands and tens of thousands of employees, you know, helping to monitor and guide them and hiring good people to do those jobs exactly. So uh, a lot of times CEOs aren't paid for what they do or what they know. They're paid for where they'll take the company. Well, in fact... Okay. Well, what they what they know is certainly an important is element in what they get paid. Sure, 
All right, thank you so much, Dan. Appreciate the call. Thanks, Dan. Dan and I are working-class dogs. Hey, I want to tell you about a place where they take good care of the elite, the CEOs, and the working-class dogs. doesn't matter what you are or what you drive. They can super-serve you and would just love to do so. At the Sunbury Motor Company, they sell new Fords. If uh, you're the CEO, you can buy the Ford Expedition and uh, get some of the local garages around here to put a lift kit on it so it's a supermobile. Or a Hyundai, the Veloster is just a perfect car for the working class guy like me or the Kia do what I've done drive around in a Kia Telluride and as near as I can tell it is the nicest vehicle in the world so the Kia Telluride Hyundai Ford some of the supply chains a little tight on these so you might be weeks or months away from getting yours but order one up as many people have done at the Sunbury Motor Company sunburymotors.com is a great place to start you can build a Ford Hyundai or Kia now's the time to do so they don't fill up car lots with thousands and thousands of comparable vehicles vehicles now. They make one to spec and you can join literally hundreds of people that have a vehicle on the way from the Ford Motor Company, Hyundai Motors or Kia that's headed to the Sunbury Motor Company and they would just love to sell you a vehicle. So that's what you can do with the Sunbury Motor Company. You can also go to the Quick Lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury. It's been a week since I've been there but I'll be back before too long. I just like to go visit and read the magazines and I watch my soaps there but uh, you can go there to get your car fixed and Sunbury Motor Company has two locations, North 4th Street in Sunbury and the Kia dealership on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. Well, you know, it's a very interesting debate about how much, what the relative worth is in a company. But let's take among the working class dogs, as you describe them. There are mm-hmm. people who are general laborers. There are people who run a lathe. There are people who run a sophisticated machine. There are people who have to make decisions about how the floor operates. You know, so all, it's a hierarchy. I mean, it doesn't just start off. It's not just the guy in the bottom and the guy in the top. They're all the people in the middle. The floor is flat and it keeps you from falling into the basement, right? (laughs) No, but I'm talking about floor management in terms of running the factory. Oh, running a plant or running an office. I'm just saying that that all of this is a balance. You know, I don't think the guy at the bottom should get too little and the guy at the top shouldn't get too much. I'll agree with that. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll enjoy open phones again tomorrow. You are listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury.